As a people, we are constantly evolving, and part of what influences how we evolve are the conversations we have with ourselves and other people. Welcome to Evolution Space Chats, where we take a moment to tell our stories, to see ourselves in each other, and to grow in dealing with our daily challenges. Divinity and you are on Evolution Space Chats brought to you by Sowetan. Now everyone that goes into starting a business goes in with the mindset that I have to make this work and in putting everything into it there's a lot that we put at risk as well including ourselves including our wellness and our health and that is why today's conversation is so important and the topic we are talking on is business and mental health. And in studio, to have this conversation with me, I have Usmangele CBC. Hi, Usmangele. So for those of you that don't know who Smangele is, she is the founder and creator of Indalo Nubian Naturals, a natural hair salon that boasts in the grooming and maintenance of authentic ethnic African hair. Born and bred in Kajiso, Krugersdorp, Smangele's passion in hair started at the tender age of nine, thereafter making the daring decision to turn the passion into a business. Smangele grew her passion for hair when she opened her hair salons in Johannesburg and Pretoria. In 2018, she was nominated for Best Female Hairstylist of the Year. In 2019, she was listed amongst the 200 male and guardian South African young leaders. She has hosted natural hair events and has been featured in talks throughout South Africa that focus on the grooming and taking care of natural hair, hosted by emerging mainstream natural hair names. And that is not even half of her bio. (laughs) So I mentioned while reading your bio that hair has always been your passion. Yes. And at some point, you decided to turn your passion into a business. Yes. And that is something so many people (laughs) want to do. So many people are in jobs where they feel stuck, where they feel like there's something that I really, really want to do with my life. And currently what I'm doing is not it. You reached that point and you walked out. Yes, tell us about that. <laughs> so I joined my previous job, I think it was in 20, 2014, 2013. Mm. And with the passion driving me, I think two months later I became the head stylist okay. at the salon. Mm. And it was a great journey, you know, it was a different space, it was a different environment. It wasn't like the two previous jobs that I've worked at. Mm. But there was part of me that wanted to explore more. So um, being a hairstylist, you're giving uh, responsibilities. Mm -hmm. So I was running the salon, I was um, marketing the salon, training the stylist, and, and, and. And I think it got to a point where I felt like, you know what, my passion wants to explode now. I want to, you know, put my my passion out there for for, for everyone to see. And being inside the salon is not going to give me that allowance. So what I did, I told my (laughs) previous employer that are you able to open up another salon 
Because this one has a manager. <laughs> can you open another salon so I can run so it? So you can run that one? Because I don't feel like I have it in me to be controlled and to being told what to do, especially with this type of a passion. Like, I want to run free. Can mm. you give me that allowance? And they said to me, no, you're still young. That's number one. Number two, Sma, you don't understand the finances of running a business. Sma, you know, there's a lot of things that goes into opening a new salon and we don't feel like you're ready. Mm. I was 25 at that moment. Okay. And I was like, you know what? These guys are limiting me. They are trying to box me. <laughs> and I am not that type of a person. You're not going to have Especially that. Especially when it comes with what I do. I love hair, guys. I speak hair. I sing hair. I dress hair. Like everything that I did at that moment, it was all about hair, mm. you know. And I remember we had the chat a year before, which was 2015, 2016. I sat down with the manager. I said, can I just step down being a head stylist? Mm -hmm. Because there was a lot of things that went into the business now. In terms of salary, salaries have changed and responsibilities were just piling up on me. And I was like, you know what? No, this is not me. Can I step down? And the one thing that she asked me was, now that you're stepping down as a head stylist, does it mean you're going to leave us? Ooh. They sensed it. And I said to her, you know what, girl? Yes. And then I think a few weeks later, I handed in my resignation letter. Mm. I said to them, I was going to leave end of July. So this was in uh, April. I was going to leave end of July. And we had a chat with my boss in May. She said, you know what, it's fine. You can leave end of June. Okay. And I was like, you know what, ne? That's like I said, these guys are giving me the go-ahead to just leave. <laughs> I remember it was the last day of May. Mm. We had a meeting. And they they were going to announce me leaving end of June. I said to my boss, actually, I'm here to say goodbye. I am leaving today. <laughs> Smangalit didn't have a backup plan. Smangalit didn't have a backup finance somewhere stuck for her that when she lives here, what's mm. going to happen. But all I knew is I wanted to explore my possibilities. At that time, I didn't want to be boxed by anyone because they said to me, you're still young to do this. You can't. And with the previous jobs that I've worked at, um, I was fortunate enough to, to, to be placed in higher positions. So the previous two jobs, I was managers there, you know, and I had, I felt like I had acquired all the experience that I needed for me to start something new. So I told them that I'm leaving today and that's it. And she was shocked. She, she called me outside. She was like, Smart, what's happening? Um, what can we do to change, you know, how things have worked? And I gave her all the reasons why that mm. next time when you find someone like Smangel, just make sure you keep them where they want to be kept because you don't understand the passion that drives the person. Mm. You are just the boss, you know, and I'm the one that brings in the customers and you are not uh, acknowledging what I want to do with my passion. So I told them that, guys, I'm leaving today and that's it. Sometimes as a person, I suppose you know where you are yes, and, and you, you know what you want. And some, if you are able to communicate that yes. currently where I am and what is happening and the way things are, mm-hmm. I need more. Yes. It's not enough for, for what I've got inside of me. So <laughs> this is five years ago yes. <laughs> where you walked out of your job. You've got no money. You've got no plan. Yes. And three months into starting your own business, you had 10 employees. Yes. 
you. Uh, 2018, you're on the Mail and Guardian 200 Young South Africans. Things are going well for yes. you. And you're like, I've actually taken a step in the right direction. Now, take us through how you were feeling in that moment. Mm-hmm. And then also then take us through what happens later in, 29, in 2018. So... I was fortunate and blessed with with amazing clients mm. because in every client that I met, there was something they had to offer to me. And trust me, I think it was a month later, there was just interviews after interviews after interviews with magazines, with radios, with wow. TV, with newspapers. I remember we were even on business times on Sunday. Sunday, Sunday times. times. Yes. And it was just happening, you know, because... Clients were just putting in their inputs. Clients were like, we will take you places where you want to go. Mm, you know, Talk about perfect timing. Talk about perfect timing. And for the fact that we were amongst the first natural hair salon to start operating in Joburg. Wow. You know, it was people were like, what are you doing? Why are you starting a natural hair salon? Mm. What is it different besides the other salons that we've been to? And mm. there's something that I wanted to deliver, something that I'm still delivering even today, today. you know. And it was just happening, man. It was it was nice. And trust me, at that moment, I wasn't even thinking about the funds. Yeah. All I wanted to, to do was to give my people a space to work in. I wanted to run. I wanted to create. Also, the other thing is that you know when you've been to other salons you look at how they're structured you look at how they work you look at how they serve their clients I wanted to deliver something that was spectacular something Mm. that was different Mm. to a point where when people started walking in they said to me you know your way your salon looks it looks like we have to pay like 10 millions and you look at the price list and you get shocked Mm. and I told them that guys it wasn't about money it was saving an expensive experience at a low cost Mm. 2016, started working. 2017, ah, things now are getting more overwhelming now. Writing the people now, you have to run your stylist, you have to, to operate the salon, you have to go find stock, you have to do this, you have to do that. Now there's a lot of things going on, mm. you know. It's, it's getting too overwhelming, but at that moment, I'm happy because now this is what I wanted Wanted. to do for the longest mm. time. I think I knew at the age of 10 that one day, I was going to run my own salon because I had my first paying customer at the age of 10. Wow. And then 2018, now everything is booming. Smile is going places. Smile is talking. Smile now hosts natural hair events. Mm. And it's just too much, you know. But at the time is I want to deliver. I I think one of the things that entrepreneurs or creative entrepreneurs, they do is they want to tell the story in a way that it looks expensive. So you try and you try your best to make sure that it goes accordingly, mm. you know. And 2018, I remember it was July. And I was just, things were just going left. Not with the business side, but personally now. Okay. I, was, I started feeling overwhelmed. There was just feeling that I couldn't explain what was happening, you know. Um, I remember we had an argument with my ex-husband and I felt like he wasn't supporting me spiritually and mentally. And he couldn't also understand what's, what's going on with you. I started having flashbacks from childhood traumas and it was just too much. Mm. And then I Googled, uh, I think it was Discovery Doctors, and I asked if you're experiencing such um, emotions, what's going on? And I remember f- the first doctor that responded said to me, Go seek uh, help at a clinical psychologist. Find okay. a clinical psychologist. Have conversations with them. Tell them about your emotions. Um, it got to a point where I couldn't even drive anymore. 
Mm. I kept feeling like, what if I bump into someone and that person dies and then I get arrested? It was just too much. It was just too much. And then I found this lady and she said to me, the first thing she said to me, she said, if you feel like you need help, please drive out of the house. Okay. That was the only thing that got me to drive out of the house. I drove to that lady. We had our first session. Mm. And the first thing that she pointed out as I walked in, she said to me, you look like you need to protect yourself. Who are you fighting? Mm. She said, let's go back. Let's go back. We started talking about work and then personal uh, life. And then she said to me, you know what? I feel like you're pouring more onto the business than you're pouring more onto personal. And it's not balancing. Your will is not balancing. It's actually it's, your, 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 your work is taking more onto yourself and it's not healthy. Mm. She started saying to me, let's start delegating work now. Okay. Who do you feel like should take over your work when you're at work, when you're not at work? That's when I started having a manager at work. That's when I started delegating now down mm. to people. Because also one thing that she made me realize was you have a bad OCDCC. You are just not <laughs> trusting anyone with anything. And it's so bad because now you want to do everything yourself and you feel like People are not matching up to your standards. Yes. She said to me, one of the things that you need to realize is that, yes, there's people who are going to help you in your life. Don't put it in, in your level because you are running at 200 and people are running at 100 mm. and you feel like no one will be able to understand you. Set mm. the tone down. Mm. Start delegating. Mm. Even though when people put 50% um, into what you give to them, just understand that that's the 50% they have at the time. They mm. can't match up to you. So you need to start understanding those emotions that, okay, even if you give uh, a work to people, understand that they're not going to deliver at the level that you want. And before you, before you went on to Google, yes. did, you not, did you not feel like you were the reason why everything was not going well? I know that you said that you felt like your ex-husband was not supporting you and, and, and did you not put any blame on yourself to say that maybe I'm not the superwoman that I think I am or that I'm trying to be? Did you not feel bad that you are not living up to certain expectations you had of yourself? I did at some point. Actually, I felt like I was going crazy because how is it possible that I am feeling this way? And people not understanding how I'm feeling. Is it and you're because also doing of me? So well at yes. the same time. I just couldn't understand how is it I'm not able to balance my emotions mm. or my personal life mm. as as compared to how I'm balancing the business, you mm. know. It just didn't make sense. How can't these two be at the same level? Mm. And it I felt bad. And also at the same time of feeling bad, I felt confused that what is going on? How is it possible that I'm feeling like this? What's happening? And part of me felt like, okay, probably how I grew up. And I was like, no, man, it can. Also, my childhood trauma, I tried so much to tuck it aside. Like, I didn't want to talk about it. I didn't want to face it. I just didn't want to do anything with my childhood. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to be a different person from how I grew up. In your adult yes. life. Mm. I guess that's what, one of the other things that made me want to go seek help, that mm. I don't want to be dealing with my, my, my childhood. Why? So mm. did you think in going to seek help when you saw the, the therapist, was it a yes. therapist that yes. you saw? When you saw the therapist, did you, did you not think that 
do you think they wouldn't touch on your past? Do you think they'll just focus on the here and the now and we are moving forward? <laughs> I, I think part of me wanted someone to kind of help me face my childhood. So as a part of you did want yes. to face that and deal yes. with that. And I believed in myself that I wasn't going to do it alone. So I wanted someone to help me unpack mm. everything. And when the lady said to me, let's go back, let's revisit your childhood. That's when I realized that actually now let's go back. Now this is the time to do that. This is the time to now start going back to the old smart to say, okay, what happened? Mm. You know, and I think also being a child that grew up around gender based violence, um, that was what I didn't want to visit. And okay, it's okay. So my mom was 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 constantly getting involved with people that were not good for her. Mm. So most of the time, I had to witness the the fights, and they were ugly because most of the time she would end up in hospitals, and yeah. So I grew up with my grandmother. And I think my mother, what she did was to give me away to my grandmother so that I wouldn't okay. witness the life choices mm. that she chose, mm. you know. At that point, I didn't understand why would my mother not want me next to her. Mm. But as I grew older and I realized that actually she was doing this for 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 me mm. so that I wouldn't be part of all the things that she would go through, you know. Yeah. But most of the time when I would visit her, I would witness those those physical fights and they were bad. Mm. I remember this one time, um, so the boyfriend stabbed her in the eye and she kept screaming and people were just looking, you know, people were like, we're used to these people fighting and, and they'll get around, you know, they'll be fine. And I remember I went to the boyfriend, I took the knife out of the boyfriend's hand and I threw it away. I think I was like 12 or 13. Mm. I threw it away and... And, you know, she came to me and she said to me, do not worry about this and all of that. And the next thing I knew, we were then in hospital because she needed stitches. Mm. And it wasn't just that, you know, even after these people used to fight. Mm. And I think it got to a point where it was like a norm. But it wasn't a norm for me because most of the time I had to witness all these fightings and they would end very bad. So when I was older or old enough, I stopped visiting her. Mm. I said, I'm not going to be part of this anymore. And I choose not to be. I remember my aunt once said to me that your mom is not your project. Yeah. Your project is your life so that it turns out differently. Mm. And I stopped visiting her. Because uh, sometimes we want to be saviors. Yes. Uh, or we're so used to playing savior and we think it's our responsibility as kids to save our parents yes. from some of those experiences. So when I stopped eventually visiting her, I think I started working at the age of 20. And my main focus was my grandmother now. I used to work hard for my grandmother. Well, I still do. But yeah, she was like my main focus now because she gave me strength to deal with all the trauma. Well, maybe to tuck it outside, you know, and not face it. Um, I remember it was in 2015, no, 2017. That's when my mom fell ill. And she they called me and then I took her to a private doctor. That's when we found out that she had multiple chronic illnesses mm. and that she was positive. And 
she was just going through a lot. Mm. I think at that time, the role switched. I became her, she became me. Mm. I started taking care of her. Mm. from doctor's appointments to eating healthy and all of that because I felt like, okay, now she needs me more than anything else. Mm. And I think also at that point, she became more vulnerable and she did tell me that I need you to be there for me. Mm. And I did until she passed away in 2020, also in results of a gender-based violence. Sure. So yeah. Yeah, and we don't realize we don't realize growing up the effects. You we think because we're not the victims ourselves, yes. if we're not the people experiencing it on our own bodies, then we think that we are not the victims and we don't take the necessary steps or yes. try find the necessary help because we're like, no, I just saw it. <clears throat> but yes. we don't realize that in seeing it, we are actually part Becoming of the victim. Become part of the victim. Yes. And one thing I think I realized was um, victims don't understand the effect or the trauma that the next person has. Yes. The offsprings, True. the True. friends, the families that witnesses these True. episodes when they happen. They don't understand. Mm. Or even the perpetrators themselves, they don't understand that me being physical all the time to this woman next to the kids, it's actually even the kids get affected. Yes, of course they, they do. They get affected mm. of those, those, those fights and I don't think they know how much damage they these mm. have on mm. the on the kids mm. or even the family members that always have to pick up that mm. okay it's fine we're gonna take her in because um she's hurtly birth and then at the same time these people after they heal they go back to these partners yes. and it starts all over again starts all, and all over that. again and i think so yeah i mean part of you our souls get tired yes. and our spirits get tired, even if we don't necessarily get physically tired sometimes. Yes. And you feeling overwhelmed in 2018 with everything yes. that's been happening in your life, the good and the bad, it also is a culmination of all the childhood trauma and everything that's happened in your past. And you've constantly had to be carrying all of that inside yes. of you. And there was never a point where you had to a unpack. moment to unpack it, to release it, yes. to let go of it so that you are actually ready to live the life that you actually always wanted to Definitely. live. And Definitely. so it's understandable that you just got so overwhelmed because <laughs> inside you are carrying so much. And, you know, sometimes we also try to separate our lives and like yes. this is my business life this is my this life and yes. we create those boxes but we actually don't realize that everything intertwines and each thing affects another yes, thing because other. it's all one body all one mind all the same emotional everything. capacity is on this one person to deal with everything that yes. is actually happening in our lives and one thing that the psychologist said to me was go back to her mm. ask her why did she stay in those relationships Mm -hmm. ask her tell her actually how you felt you know and I think it was in 2018 later that year I asked her mm -hmm. um why did you stay and I think she wasn't she she didn't think that I'd be that woman or I'd grow up to be that woman who was now confident to understand why were you in those those physical uh, relationships you know and I could see in her eyes that actually you know, she, she didn't understand. Why are you asking me this, you know? And I feel like it, it becomes a generational curse for us women. Probably she saw it on her mom as well. 
she felt like it was fine. Mm. And you know, uh, in black communities, we don't talk about e emotions and all of that. And for me to ask her, why did you stay in those relationships? It hurt her so much that she couldn't even reason. She mm. said, I just had these choices that I made in life and I didn't want you to be part of them. Mm. And I think we started healing each other from there. Mm. All the visits that we would do um, to groceries, to hospital, we would talk about those things. Mm. And I think it was healing her bit by bit. Mm. You mentioned obsessive compulsive disorder, OCD being yes. both. And, just, and I think anytime anything becomes obsessive, yes. it's actually a problem and we don't realize it. And we say it so lightly that, oh, I'm so OCD. <laughs> and we laugh about it. <laughs> And yes. it's actually something that you need to pay attention to. Mm. And do you think that part of your, you being OCD, mm -hmm. even in things of the business, actually came because you were obsessing about certain things. You were OCD outside of business. Yes. And so that obviously spilled over onto the business because there were certain things that you wanted to control, yes. certain things that you had hoped you had been able to control, certain things that you had hoped you had been able to have a better influence yes. in them turning out in a certain way. So in hindsight, do you now think that that OCD behavior mm -hmm. actually really came and stemmed from your personal life and everything that you'd gone through personally? It did. I'd say um, wanting to be loved, it came from that. Um, like I said, I grew up with my grandmother, but part of me wanted to, to be loved by my mom so bad mm. that uh, growing up, I wanted to do everything accordingly so that the next person that loves me stays, you know, and it became so bad. Mm. I think it derived from that, that everything that I wanted to do in you life. wanted things to be perfect. To be perfect so that whoever sees, sees that, okay, you are doing your best, you mm. know. I think also not having support or um, a family member or, or your parents that would constantly remind you that you're perfect the way you are, you know, it kind of, you know, makes you want someone to to see that in you mm. because you've never been told that actually you are perfect the way you are. Mm. So it came from that. And so in the healing process that you went through with your mom, it's what other things did that help heal mm -hmm. and how that did that affect your business? I think it it kind of also because I was fearful in relationships. I mm. uh, constantly said, I, w I don't want someone who's going to be physical with me mm. because, yeah, I was constantly wanting to protect myself. Um, I think that's the other thing that, that it had an effect on relationships because mm. I wanted to be an independent woman. Well, I still want to be an independent <laughs> I'm sure woman. you got a different picture. Yes, of now I have a like different now. picture. <laughs> but back then, I constantly wanted to be independent. I didn't want to depend on anyone. You know, I didn't want... Um, even if, if if I was in a relationship and the guy wouldn't do anything for me, I didn't feel, it didn't feel awkward because I didn't want to rely on anyone, you know. And when I went through the healing with my mom, it kind of like toned down a bit um, for me to understand that I can actually rely on people. It also toned down at work because now I was able to delegate work mm. on, on, on my employees as well, you know. And and it was, it was, it wasn't, it was something new, but I was enjoying 
the way it was going, you know. Mm. It felt different. It felt, I felt lighter, you mm. know. And we, I could now have conversations with my mom freely, mm. you know. And yeah. Okay. So you were able to let go yes. a little bit more. A little bit. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> okay. There is a quote that I would call a power quote that you put up on your social media and it reads you have been assigned this mountain to show others it can be moved trust the process and push through end quote what mountain do you believe has been assigned to you Mm -hmm. and how has pushing through and trusting the process looked like for you in your life so one of the things that I've always loved um, to believe was I wasn't given the skill by default. You know, I was given it purposely for me to push. And one of the things I used to say uh, during my, while I was still employed was I'm not just an ordinary stylist. You know, I wanted to show people that you can actually push way higher with the skills that you have. You know, um, it's not everyone who's gifted to read and graduate and do all of that. I didn't have the opportunity to go study. Mm. But with the passion and the skill that I was given, Mm. I pushed very higher, Mm. you know. And as a black girl from a disadvantaged home as well, um, that was the mountain that I wanted to push that with the little resource that you have you can actually push very high and you can you can become someone someday mm. um, and I wanted to encourage the the hairstylist you know the upcoming hairstylist that with the skill that you have you can work on it today and then tomorrow be something else out there mm. I mean when I started my my hair journey at the age of nine uh, I remember when I started my business and then I would visit my grandmother most of the ladies in the, the community they would say are you still doing hair? <laughs> you know, that used to push me because um, I had story to, to reflect on, you know. I had people to reflect on because those people are like, Sma, you've been doing hair for, for, for as much as we can remember. Mm. Are you still doing hair? And it showed me that this skill, it's something that was polishing every day. Mm. That today I can hold a seminar or hold a conversation about black hair because it's something that I believed in. Yes. In myself. Yeah. Yes. So that's the mountain that I'm still pushing today that with the skill that you have, you can become something tomorrow. Mm, and even with everything that you've been yes. through, it doesn't dictate what you feel. It doesn't. Looks it like. doesn't. It doesn't at all. And you shouldn't be held back by the things that you go through in life. Actually, they're supposed to be stepping stones mm. to something that you want to achieve tomorrow. Something greater. Yes. You mentioned earlier in the conversation that um, how you wished you would have had people that you yes. could have spoken to, people that could have been there for you, people yes. that would have hold, held up space for you. Yes. Having been through everything that you've been through, how do you hold up space for your employees? How mm-hmm. do you hold up space for the people in your life so that they are able to to enable them to thrive yes. in the manner that you wanted to, but you felt like no one was actually there holding up that space for you? I think... Um um, being able to hold uh, seminars and being able to have conversations everywhere and anywhere I can remember. I've always mentioned that as a black girl, 
you are destined for greater things. You know, I've opened up spaces where people are able to reach up to me mm-hmm. and talk to me and address their own issues. And also one of the things that I had started, I think it was in 20, 2018, 2019, was to have an NGO that focused on goals from disadvantaged backgrounds. So we'll mm-hmm. take them to their metric dance. So we'll provide everything for them. I think also that was kind of healing for me okay. also um, because then I was able to be there for those goals uh, and and give them the experience. Mm-hmm. More than anything else, let's give them the experience. Mm-hmm. Let's give them um, that power to, to walk away with, with, with the positivity as well. And... Now and then we would have conversations inside the salon. I would say, guys, apart from working, now let's step back to the to our personal spaces. And we would sit down, we'd have those talks. We would call them the healing talks. So we'll be like, okay, let's go back to our skeletons now. <laughs> More than anything else, guys, mm. how are you doing? Mm. And they don't start opening. And and fortunately, I've been blessed with employees that are able to take care of each other. Mm. More than just being in uh, colleagues, mm. they're able to sit down and talk about personal stuff and heal each other, and then we go on. You mm. know? And we can take for granted. Yes, we're talking, we're talking, talking, can do. talking, and just releasing. Talking anything. for me does the most because me talking about my experiences, my healings, my grievings, it it heals something inside mm. bit by bit. Mm. So I've opened up those platforms for those ladies to talk to each other. You know, talk to me. Let's have chats. I think also just being vulnerable myself to them it gives them the power to open them to me uh, and not just being a boss you know yes being a person mm. being a woman a black woman that has its own uh, uh issues mm. um, and sometimes we joke about these things and you'll be like you know this and that and that and then some days we like sit down and be like okay let's address things mm. how are you doing mm. you know i think how are you doing is one of the powerful uh, question anyone can ask a person with, how are you doing? And I often feel like sometimes when people ask that, they're not ready for the response What's they could gonna possibly come? get. <laughs> What's going to come after, you know? Um, how many people ask me, how are it's you? It's a and powerful I'm like, question. You really want to know it's how I It's a powerful question, trust me, you know? Mm. And it's something that we take it lightly. We take it for granted. We take it for granted because, I mean, everyone is fighting their own battles. Mm. And you being there for them to ask them, how are you doing? And not only probably be just asking them how you're doing but you pouring down your issues pouring down your struggles it kind of helps them to actually look at their own struggles and feel like okay i'm not alone in this yes and me so much power in knowing we're not alone me sharing my grieving and my healing mentally it has helped other women to actually you know come to me and say you know what I thought I was the only one who's going through this. I can see you doing this. How are you coping? You know, mm. it, it's helping. Mm. Trust me, it is Definitely helping. Definitely, it is. I've taken out so much from this conversation. <laughs> I know for sure that the person listening has taken so much out of it. Yes. I think at the core of, of, of everything that you do, service is is a big thing for you. Yes. And you do what you do out of service. I think another thing that, is highlighted two things actually that are highlighted for me is that trust yourself. Yes. You knew at 25 that at 24, I, actually, yes. you knew that you wanted out. You knew that what you were getting in your work environment mm-hmm. was not enough for you. You knew and you trusted yourself when you eventually walked out of that door and you said, you know what, I'm, I'm going to go get what I want. 
And the second thing that stands out for me is being able to create what you want if it's not out there. You mentioned that your salon was one of the first few that opened to treat African natural hair. And I mean, you could have easily said, how, where am I going to start? How am I going to do? There's not so many people. Probably you didn't even know the other people (laughs) at that point. You were like, I'm just going to go out and do this. But you were able to create what you wanted. And sometimes we go out to the world and we're looking to receive what we want. And if it's not there, we're so discouraged and we're so quick to give up. But you actually said, I'm going to create, I'm going to trust myself firstly. And secondly, I'm going to create what I want. I'm going to create it for myself. Also, I wanted to create something that was different. Mm. I mean, we have so many salons out there, but I wanted specifically something that was different. I mean, I still have women walking in and be like, but why did you start a natural hair salon? Mm. I'm like, you guys don't understand. <laughs> 21 years later doing people's hair, I'm like, you know what? I'm still going out there. Mm. I am still There's still growing. so much more that yes. needs to be done. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your story. Thank you for being vulnerable and putting your heart out on his sleeve. And I mean, we've opened up space for so yes. many other conversations that are going to take place outside of this conversation. So with that, we are wrapping it up. This podcast is available on Sowetan Live. It is also available on your favorite podcast platforms. Be part of our community and follow us on our social media platforms. Till we meet again next week. Love and light. Evolution is the key to breaking the cycle of the norm. Thank you.